to the AT Tapes, a podcast from the Journal of Athletic Training. The goal of this podcast is to interview researchers and clinicians on current topics facing athletic trainers and discuss how we can utilize best practices to improve patient outcomes. My name is Lizzie Hibbard, and I will be your host for this podcast. I'm a faculty member in the athletic training program at the University of Alabama, and I have a research interest in shoulder and elbow injury prevention in youth overhead athletes. You can follow me on Twitter at eehibbard. Before getting started on today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone that all content from JAT is open access, meaning it is free of charge to all readers, thanks to funding from the National Athletic Trainers Association. In today's episode, we have Dr. Lindsay Eberman from Indiana State University and Dr. Jennifer Earl Bain from University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. In addition to their own research agendas, both Lindsay and Jen are currently serving on the Strategic Alliance Research Agenda Task Force. The task force was developed in 2017 with the charge of developing the athletic training research agenda, identifying the research priorities that holistically capture the athletic trainer-driven research. We are glad to have Lindsay and Jen here today to talk about the task force, the findings, and how clinicians and researchers can utilize this information. Lindsay and Jen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks, Lindsay. Before we get started with talking more about the task force and the research agenda, I want to spend some time getting to know our our guests a little bit. So, Lindsay, can you start out by telling us a little bit about your educational background? Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I'm, um, I'm a full professor at Indiana State University, and I started my teaching career here at ISU. So this is where I got my first big kid job, and I haven't left since. Um, I started my career in athletic training in high school where I was uh, exposed to athletic training, much like um, a lot of people who get interested in AT. Um, I had a high school athletic trainer. I thought she was brilliant, of course, and I participated in um, in girls soccer in high school and uh, as well as some other sports. And I had an opportunity to shadow her during that time. And that's what got me really interested in athletic training. I then uh, did my bachelor's degree at Northeastern University in Boston, Massachusetts. And that was such a great space for me to learn, especially as a college student athlete, uh, also trying to complete an athletic training degree. I had the chance to uh, do both cooperative and clinical education there. And then I went on to Florida International University where I got my master's degree and my PhD. Can you talk about some of the highlights of your professional career from the time that you got certified to now as a full professor? I really loved working in a secondary school setting in Miami, Florida and uh, the Broward County region. Uh, It was a great opportunity to learn about underserved populations and to expand my clinical skills uh, as well as supervise other graduate assistants and athletic trainers in the community. It gave me the opportunity to develop some leadership skills, which I think have translated into a lot of my job as a faculty member. Here at ISU, I've had a really great career um, where I've been able to serve as a program administrator at both the professional and post-professional level and across baccalaureate, master's, and doctoral degrees. Um, And I think 
some of my um, proudest moments are relative to being recognized as a quality educator, both at my institution as well as in the region and um, nationally by the NACA. And I think those things really connect to who I am as an athletic trainer. I strongly believe that every conversation is an opportunity to educate, and I try to do that in how I teach, how I interact with students, how I want my students to interact with their patients, as well as my role as researcher. Well, thank you for joining us today, and we're looking forward to learning more from you and uh, taking the opportunity to be educated by you. Um, and now, uh, Jen, can you tell us a little bit about your educational background and how you became decided to become an athletic trainer? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Um, kind of a, a similar story in a way to Lindsay's um, in that my first job post-PhD was also here at UW-Milwaukee, and I've been here ever since. Um, my path started uh, in college, actually. I went to the College of Worcester in Ohio um, and was working towards a liberal arts degree and dating myself just a bit. It was still the internship era of um, athletic training education. So I completed the internship route to certification and actually designed my own major there to kind of focus on sports medicine. And um, I became interested because I, I had the love kind of for the emergent care uh, type of healthcare practice. Um, and I also had an interest in, in athletics and, and physically active people. So that's kind of what got me into interested into the profession in, uh, in general. And then I had the opportunity to attend the University of Virginia for my master's degree. And um, my mentors there really kind of sealed the deal for me in that athletic training was the career that I wanted to stay in. Um, had thought maybe of turning more toward the medicine route, but I got to see so much more of the profession than I had seen in the undergraduate aspect and really enjoyed the research and building new knowledge to advance care and thought that's, that's where I want to stick um, eventually. And so then I practiced uh, clinically at Lock Haven University in Pennsylvania for a couple of years really enjoyed that time and enjoyed my clinical practice work. And that's where I was introduced to teaching as well. So thinking then of, I, I want to focus on the academic and research side of the profession. I attended uh, Pennsylvania State University, a PhD, and uh, then kind of solidified that, that academics was where I wanted to go. Then another one I think was um, built, being able to build my research line that I think has a pretty good direct impact into clinical practice that athletic trainers can read some of my work and, and really go and do something different with their patients that would perhaps make lead, lead to better outcomes. And through that work, then I've been engaged with the um, NATA Research and Education Foundation and really feel like that's how I stay connected to the profession and giving back to the profession. Well, thank you for all that you do for the profession, both directly giving back with service and, uh, uh, improving the body of knowledge through your research. So, so as we get started today, uh, I want to talk more about the research agenda and sort of where this idea came from uh, for the need to kind of come up with a cohesive research agenda for athletic training and who was involved in the development of this. Sure, I can uh, take that question. So the, I really credit um, R.T. Floyd with the initial emergence of the idea of building a strategic agenda is something that we needed to do as a profession. Um, and so for several, several uh, different meetings, we talked about this within the um, Foundation Research Committee and started exploring what other professions have done and what kind of models were there. 
and then eventually um, took that concept to the Athletic Training Strategic Alliance and then built a task force that was made up of members from the NATA, the Research and Education Foundation, the BOC, and the CADI. And so through that um, collaborative group is where we started off with, you know, what's our mission statement? What are we trying to achieve? And we really identified that the purpose of this agenda is to identify research priorities and, and really unify research between clinical practice and, um, and research, kind of traditional research, laboratory research settings um, to improve patient care and advance the profession. So that's kind of how it got started. And uh, we started in 2017, as you mentioned, and we've really come a long way in a, a relatively short amount of time. Could you both tell us um, about what made you uniquely qualified to serve on this committee and assist in this development, sort of your unique backgrounds, um, maybe from either academically, when you were in school, and professionally, what you've gone through? So Jen, let's start with you um, as you kind of tell us a little bit about your expertise. Sure. I think um, the expertise that I brought to the committee was was having been on the research committee for, for many years at that time. I had seen the different proposals that have come through the foundation requesting funding. I kind of saw the scope of what was being emphasized, what the really hot areas were. Um, and I also was able to kind of identify where the gaps were within our professional research. Um, and so I think that's what I kind of brought to the table. I also um, had enjoyed the role of, of bridging um, clinical researchers with um, educational researchers around that same time. And I felt this was another way to really advance that initiative. And Lindsay, can you tell us a little bit about your expertise and what you brought to this committee? Sure. I think uh, at onset, I'm not, I'm not sure I knew, but uh, over time, I think uh, my role was to represent the Katie. And in doing so, um, I felt like it was my responsibility not only to advocate for research that directly impacted students, student learning, um, but to, to represent the continuum of learning across the lifespan of an athletic trainer, which means thinking about athletic training education well beyond professional preparation. Um, in addition to that, I think what I brought was some skills relative to mixed methodology um, and being able to think about research uh, from, a, uh, from a perspective of uh, getting that 360 degree view from our profession as best we could. Um, we had some really great initial meetings that looked at how other professions had engaged in developing their own research agenda. And what we saw were some really big limitations in both development of the agenda, but also in implementation. And I think what we came to do in looking at all the expertise of our colleagues on that committee in looking at those limitations, we were able to say, we're going to identify methods that are systematic that are in the best interest of the profession and that don't necessarily represent singular voices. And I think that's what we were able to accomplish with the research agenda. And I'm happy to say, I think um, having a, a wide array of experiences in different methods um, helped me to contribute to the team. So I do want to talk about the methods and the findings, but before we even get to that, can you guys talk about what this means for clinicians? So I think one of the things when you hear research, you think about that as people that are working in a lab a lot of times, um, but these really have broad impacts for clinical practice and our patients and clinicians. And so if you guys can talk a little bit about 
um, what you think that these mean for clinicians and how they can utilize this information. I think one of the things we, um, we really hoped to do was marry those two concepts, right? The idea of research feeling or thinking about research from this perspective of lab and lack of applicability and what a clinicians really need. And when we started the process, when we used the focus groups, what we focused on were things like uh, defining evidence that athletic trainers needed to provide better patient care and identifying the problems that face them at, at, that they wish they had answers to through the evidence. And through that lens, we were asking questions and exploring this problem or this research question through the lens of the clinician instead of through the lens of a, of a traditional researcher. It wasn't about answering a question that was meaningful to us. It was identifying the questions that are meaningful to clinicians. And so what I think the research agenda does is help to say these are the areas where clinicians need more information to make decisions in their practice. And so I think it helped us to frame that in a way that now tells researchers to, one, partner with clinicians to engage in scholarly activities, and two, as you plan your research, that you think of the clinician's perspective and coming back to the agenda to answer questions that are meaningful to them. Yeah, I agree with all that, Lindsay. And the other thing I'd add to it would be that I think we, we are hoping that clinicians can start to see themselves as a critical element of the research process in that we can't achieve these priorities unless we're doing more patient engaged point of care, you know, bedside kind of research. Um, and those of us who are in more of a laboratory or even academic setting who aren't in clinical practice, we can't do that work unless we have excellent partners um, and there's some great models of clinician partnerships um, that have done really quality work that we're hoping to kind of model after um, as we go forward. So now can you guys talk a little bit about what the actual process of developing, developing these strategic initiatives was and the methods that you all used? So um, as Lindsay said, she was really kind of the, the leader in the domain. Um, when we started talking about developing a mixed method study and using focus groups, I kind of passed on the, uh, the leadership role over to Lindsay because um, that's not the expertise that I have. And it was really educational to, to have her tell us and, and explain to us what the best approach to use was, which was to start with that clean slate and really capture the broad perspective, as she said. So um, we started with some focus groups at an NATA meeting and we had an open invitation um, targeted as some specific uh, uh, characteristics of individuals that we hope to capture their, um, their input. And 87 people actually participated in six different focus groups that meeting, which we thought was fantastic. We took the transcripts of those focus groups and um, did a content analysis expert review that allowed us to then develop and pilot test a survey that was sent out to the entire, uh, all certified athletic trainers and of that group, about 3,900 of them actually completed the survey. So in that way, we, we were able to really capture what the profession felt as a whole. Then we met again as a task force and further culled down um, all of that information into five priorities, which we identified and then um, had worked on developing some short descriptors of what each one was. So I think that's a good transition into 
how do you guys tell us a little bit about these findings? So I'm going to ask a really broad question and then kind of turn it over to you guys. Of Can you tell us more about each one of those priorities? And I think uh, one of the things that was really surprising to us, both through the focus group process as well as through the content analysis review and the survey, was we were expecting somebody to give us a particular pathology. Tell us, this is the, this is the problem I have in, in my practice. These are the patients I cannot um, treat based on not having enough evidence. And that's not how the process evolved. So as we were listening and really listening to the things that people were saying, we were able to develop these five priorities. And, the, and in some respects, they're pretty broad. But what we were able to do is identify some more specific things under each kind of heading. So one of the areas, and, and we would say we're seeing the most amount of grant applications and a lot of research in the area is in the healthcare competency. And the idea here is people are looking for more evidence about how to effectively apply interventions, establishing evidence for support to return to play, preventing musculoskeletal injuries, recognizing or referring patients with behavioral or mental health conditions, and then reducing public health risks across the lifespan. So with that kind of big, broad area of healthcare core competencies, we were able to find some specifics in what, um, what people were looking for. But I think um, the areas that, that we would likely see more research or um, hopefully see more research is effectiveness of interventions and, and, things, uh, and prevention strategies and those things. And that goes back to what Jen was saying, how important the clinician-researcher partnerships are, that we can effectively measure interventions if we continue to do research with healthy populations, right? We have to be engaged in point-of-care research and research um, at the point of delivery. And this is, that is particularly one of the strategic priority areas that will absolutely require partnerships with clinicians um, and that kind of, um, the, again, the marriage of uh, the researcher and the clinician to answer that question. Another area was vitality of the profession, and I think this is continues to be pervasive in the conversations we see in social media and across the profession, as well as at um, state, regional, and national meetings. These are the things that talk about the reputation of the profession and the value of an athletic trainer and establishing evidence to demonstrate that value. Talking about the effectiveness of interprofessional practice, the partnerships we can create with other providers, evaluating the medical model and independent medical care free of influence or bias. That's uh, obviously a priority in the college and university setting, but policy is, policies need to be established in a variety of our traditional and emerging settings that, that create that independence. And then we need to be measuring if that, that culture has shifted and changed to allow athletic trainers to make decisions in the best interest of their patients free of influence or bias. We continue to see an interest in uh, research about improving work-life balance and not just exploring uh, work-life balance as a problem, but evaluating solutions, um, how people are engaging in strategies that improve work-life balance for an athletic trainer. And we think that will obviously lead to retention of athletic trainers, but we need more evidence to look at how we are actively engaged, the strategies we're actively engaged in to improve it. Um, retention of athletic trainers.
And then we need to continue to evaluate diversity in the profession. And all of those things encompass the vitality of the profession uh, strategic priority. I can continue on. Um, so the next element of the agenda was health professions education. There we want to continue the evolution of our educational process that's been go- ongoing over the past decades. What are the educational pathways that are going to produce clinical specialists as the next step forward? And then how amongst our already credentialed athletic trainers are we going to maintain competence and ensure that we're continuing to provide best care throughout our careers? The, the next one then is healthcare economics. Um, so de- things like determining return on investment, um, cost effectiveness, revenue generation models associated with athletic training practice, um, patient practitioner ratios that are appropriate to ensure patient safety and high quality care. And then certainly aligning with a triple aim of healthcare, how do we minimize costs, maximize outcomes, improve patient safety, those types of things. Also looking at things across the lifespan. There's a tremendous amount of work that's done with either healthy, active, you know, young adults or injured young adults. And certainly athletic training has expanded beyond that age group. Finally, the last area was health information technology. So a, a large Uh, theme that came through from both the clinicians and from the researchers that were included was that our medical documentation um, is a a barrier to some of this large-scale patient-based research. So is there an effective standardized kind of uh, medical record that we can employ across the profession? And that allows us to answer some bigger research questions with some big data sets or approaches We've mentioned several times, I think a theme is this clinician research partnership and point of care research that's really important and how technology can really benefit that research. And in general, just quality of medical documentation, compliance of documentation, and and, um, sharing of that information in an appropriate way to enable this agenda to be kind of carried forward. So I think the research agenda is great, and I love all of the research priorities that are established so what's next? You know, how do we take this and make it something meaningful to advance the profession? And So that's a really great question. Upon completion of developing the research agenda, the members of the task force were actually asked to stay on to engage in implementation. And um, as part of our manuscript, we, uh, well, as part of our research, we established recommendations to the Strategic Alliance. Um, and those include... Um, things like developing funding initiatives that align with the research agenda, developing postdoctoral fellowships that train researchers to engage in clinically relevant research, facilitating these collaborative uh, relationships between clinicians and researchers, and creating a location for readily available research and engaging in efforts to make evidence easier to read and use. In having those recommendations, what we also did was establish uh, four key goals for the Research Agenda Task Force. They include raising awareness and increasing knowledge that the uh, athletic training research agenda exists. We know that it takes a lot of touch points to get uh, people to realize that you know, culture is changing or that materials are available. And so we're out talking to uh, districts, um, national committees, uh, people like you about um, about the research agenda. So there's a general understanding of um, what it is and how it can help the profession. We, our other goals include increasing engagement and partnerships between clinicians and researchers, 
Also increasing the number of research products that align with the research agenda, and that's an area where we're currently measuring and evaluating where most of the grants and publications align with the agenda, and then identifying areas where we can actually help to uh, support more research and maybe some of the underrepresented uh, areas of the priority. And then um, we really believe that future conversations relative to some of this big data and the idea of pooling information, creating uh, repositories for data to be entered and then analyzed by by researchers um, is an area that we think the uh, task force can at least open doors to to bringing the right people to the table to get some of that research accomplished. This summer at NATA convention, I'm really excited about a meeting, work group, reception kind of thing, um, open forum really for conversation. So a, um, a session that's just a conversation session, really networking session where um, researchers and clinicians and anybody else who's interested to advance um, the agenda and to, to have an idea or have a need and, and come to that session and start to talk to somebody who might have a similar need or someone that you've always wanted to connect with either on a particular research topic or a particular practice setting or location. Um, so look for this kind of reception to occur around this research agenda. It's really going to be an open conversation, a time for networking. And our hope is that, you know, I think we've all heard stories about gigantic research projects or, or very innovative things that have emerged on the back of a cocktail napkin or something like that. Um, so that's what we're really hoping can emerge from this uh, networking event that we're planning at the, the NITA meeting in June. So you guys presented a lot of information today about these research priorities and some of the initiatives that are going on relative to this. Where is there? Where can people get more information about the AT research agenda? Our strategic alliance liaison is Catherine Lalonde from the foundation. She's a great point person to contact if you have more questions about the research agenda. But I would say Jen and I are readily uh, available and easy to find on uh, on the Google. Uh, if, if anyone wants to reach out to us, we're happy to answer questions. And we really do want people to engage with the agenda. And so. Uh, Getting in touch with any of the authors on the on the paper, um, we're happy to connect people. I think that's what we really hope the agenda does is connect the right people together, um, and and we're happy to do that. If you would like the thorough read of the entire paper, um, of course, read the excellent Journal of Athletic Training where we published our work. The website uh, has that manuscript available, and then also on the NATA Foundation website is the um, PDF infographic of the research agenda itself. And you guys will also be making your rounds to some of the districts and you mentioned the NATA event. So yeah. mm-hmm. um, hopefully those that are interested can find find out more information and find an opportunity to connect to those that are involved. Yeah, let's see. That's a really good point. I think if we are not at people's district meetings, they should reach out to their research and or education coordinators within the district. We have had individual conversations with a lot of district leadership. And so they also might serve as a good point person on how you can actively engage within your own district community with the agenda. Well, thank you guys so much for giving us this information. And I think this is a a really great project that you all have done. And um, I commend you on the work and the timeliness of the work because you really have done a lot in a short period of time. Thank you all for being here today and sharing with us information. And I look forward to seeing you at the NATA event and uh, seeing the 
athletic training research agenda as it evolves in the future. Great. Thanks, Lizzie. And thanks to JAT Chats for having us on today. I hope you all found this podcast informative and that you can utilize the clinical recommendations to improve patient care. That's it for today's The AT Tapes. Please remember to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Also, please follow the Journal of Athletic Training on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JAT underscore NATA on all three platforms. Thank you for listening, and I hope you will join us for next month's episode of the AT Tapes.